Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Impunity Observer podcast. This is your host for the day, Mauro Echeverria. Juan Diego Sanchez will be the guest joining us today. Juan Diego is a Costa Rican PhD in business sciences and a lawyer. He's an opinion columnist in local media. He's been a professor in private and public universities for 16 years. He's also an academic researcher and writer for universities and scientific magazines. Juan Diego is the author of the books Model of Sensibilization and Validation of Financial Statements Model and Real Marketing Business Quantitative Applications. Uh, today's main topic is the elections in Costa Rica and all of their implications. Uh, elections were held on Sunday, the 6th February, uh, where the legislative panorama is now clearer. Uh, however, the runoff of the presidential elections will be held on June 19, uh, I mean on April the 3rd, 2022. Uh, the two candidates uh, who will be competing are former president Jose Maria Figueres versus economist Rodrigo Chavez. Uh, they'll be facing us in the runoff April the 3rd, 2022. Uh, my first question to you, uh, Juan Diego, is can you give us a brief des description of the current political situation in Costa Rica and a little bit of the profile of both candidates that will be facing each other on the presidential run-ups? Well, first, Mauro, thank you very much for the invitation. It's an honor to be here. I'm so glad to get to, to, to talk a little bit about what happened this last Sunday and all the context regarding the elections. This one was, in, in my opinion, one of, one of the most important elections of all time. At least it was the one with the, the most diverse political offer. We ended up with a, with a offer for 25 different candidates. This is the, the historical maximum amount of people willing to get to the presidential seat in Costa Rica. Uh, right now in Costa Rica, we are uh, finishing the second government of one particular party that started in 2012 and uh, 2002. It was the first time that the original, the official party in this moment, this, this party is called a, a Partido Acción Ciudadana, like Citizen Action Party. And it has been in, the, in, in power for two straight uh, rows or two straight times. Uh, in Costa Rica, the government stays in power for four years. Every four years, we go to, to elections and we ended up uh, choosing our uh, president and also our Congress. Uh, the Congress is, is a word that we use in English, but in Spanish, it's not precisely the same word. When you, when you say Congress, uh, Sometimes it gets a little bit mistaken, right? The actual word is legislative assembly, asamblea legislativa. That would be like the real, like the real word. What happened this this year? Okay, we we had these two uh, governments which were based on the same party, and they were not actually really really good governments. They were uh, we had a lot of troubles. We have a lot of social incidents. We have a lot of manifestations against uh, politics or economical politics regarding these, these governments. Uh, two years ago, uh, the, the actual government, that, the one that is now in power, ended up uh, approving fiscal, very strong uh, reform to the, to the national law, and everything changed. Everything changed. Um, that The social disappointment was is extremely, extremely strong. So everyone was very, very disappointed at everything, at the social approach, the economical approach, the international approach, even the, the, the way they, they handled the things so sensitive as religion, the, the, the things, for example, regarding private property and 
what happened? Like two years ago in, in 2018, 2019, 2020, a, a lot of different uh, social forces within the Costa Rica, they, they start to arise from very different uh, perspectives. From the extreme left to the extreme right, conservatism, very strong conservatism, very strong statism, very strong liberalism, and 25 different parties emerge. Some of them didn't even get to 1% of the final uh, votes, but we had 25 different uh, parties. People say that this is not something that is logical. Well, if, if you take the, the entire amount of people that can actually vote, three and like 3.2 million more or less, maybe, maybe a little less, and you divide it by 25, it, it, it's not logical, right? We have a lot of candidates for a very small country as, as Costa Rica uh, itself. On the other hand, that's democracy, right? That means that everyone could have a chance of getting to the presidential party. What happened on Sunday? Well, we did, did get to vote. It was a good election, even though we had the, the highest uh, abstentionism in history, 40%, which is actually something that shouldn't be like that. The last one, last, last elections in 2019, it was 34%. So we, we ended up increasing in that abstentionism, which is not good. But now it, it was pretty obvious that it was impossible to get one candidate get at least 40% of the votes in order to get to the presidential seat in the first round. So right now we are facing two choices, the one with, with the number one and number two places on the votation. The first one is the ex-president, Jose Maria Figueres, National Liberty Party, Partido Liberación Nacional. And the second one is a new, new guy, a new party. This guy is Rodrigo Chavez. He worked for a national bank and he even worked for the, the actual government. Uh, but the thing is that he ended up getting fired from his position because, well, he, the president and him didn't see eye to eye. So he had to, to resign the position that he held, which it was a, a Hacienda ministry. That means like the IRS <laughs> ministry. Uh, and now we are, we are waiting for April 3rd in order to get to the second round. All right. That's very interesting. Considering that Costa Rica is an example for the entire the entire region, I mean, Latin America and the Caribbean. How is this perceived from the inside? Are people aware that Costa Rica is an example of democracy and Costa Rica is an example also of fight against impunity and corruption? That's a very good question. I will say that historically, people from Costa Rica, we, we do believe in democracy. We do believe in peace. We are proud of the fact that we do not have an army. I believe that. That and the, and the Pura Vida concept, I believe I believe those two things are the, the things that identified more a, a, a Tico or a Costa Rican because uh, we do believe in that. The thing is that those values or those, those ideas, because of the plurality of the, of the society, they have been evolving or not precisely evolving, they have been changing. So right now, people still believe in, in, in democracy. We still believe that power resigns in people and we are the ones that are allowed to choose our, gover our governments. The thing is that the disappointment, it's been arising because corruption is being developing inside of the, of the country. Uh, during the last government, this government, uh, two, three years, there have been like three or, or four uh, very strong cases of corruption within the government and within the well, the government and also some private industry that make, make some business with the government. And people are disappointed, not precisely at democracy, not precisely at the system, but with the people within the system. I believe that that, that is part 
of what why we ended up with 25 different choices because everyone uh, had a different point of view of what the country could be and we we ended up having some ridiculous uh, proposals for example one particular party uh, extreme left and extreme statism that claims that they don't they do not believe in private property and if you, and if you check the, the constitution the constitution established private property at one of the very fundamental rights of being a Costa Rican. But that was also a choice for, for people. And that, that's a representation, that's a manifestation of that disappointment that we are experiencing. I, I do not believe, I do not think that we actually value the example that we can, as, as a country, as a democratic, democratic system, that we can show to the world or the impact that we can show to the world. Even though we had those 25, even though we had that 40% of abstentionism, it doesn't mean that everything, that the whole Sunday, the whole election, it was actually pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> because you, you, you could see in one place, like seven different flags and people even, even talking with each other, the candidates, well, in debates, they, they ended up fighting. But when the debate ended, you can see them shake the, shaking their hands and that, that, I believe that's something that we, we, we do feel proud about that. And the fact that, well, uh, Sunday end, we had the two choices. And on Monday, everyone go to work and everyone is a friend again. So in, from that part, I believe it's, it's something that we are, are proud of. And, but we are not aware of the impact that we can actually show to the world. Yeah, that's very interesting. Also, I wanted to ask you. How ha have these latest corruption scandals such as Cochinilla or Diamante influenced on the, not only on the people's perception, but also on, on the candidate's speech, on their narrative for their, for their political campaign? Well, the Diamante case, or Caso Diamante, involved some majors from, well, let's say city halls in Costa Rica, and a lot of them, mostly, all of them, they were part uh, of the Figueres party. That means that, that the party that ended up receiving more votes in the first round, those majors were part of, of that uh, particular party. If, if I'm not mistaken, that, that this guy, Figueres, he ended up receiving like 27% of the entire uh, uh, votation in the first round. And of course, those things that uh, affect him because people, uh, it, it's funny because this particular guy, this guy Figueres, he, have a, he has very strong support from the, the core fans of that party, right? The, the ones that actually define themselves as liberacionistas, that means that, that the guys going with that party. And I, I do believe that those cases ended up affecting them because, well, the, the media and everyone talk about it and eventually that will affect. And for the second guy, Rodrigo Chavez, probably some people that were disappointed because of these cases, uh, these corruption cases, well, they, they, they ended up Choosing different choices. For example, we 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 had the, the third and, and fourth. They were pretty close to the second one. The, the, the difference were like two points, and I believe four points for the other one. And well, some of those people probably chose not to vote for the first guy because cases like like Cochinilla, right, or, or or Diamante. Cochinilla was a different case. It was regarding a public infrastructure, a particularly everything regarding roads and, and, and construction. It was not related to a particular party, but mostly to the government, to the, to the actual government. And by the way, this government, the Partido Acción Ciudadana, the PAC, the official party, ended up, if I'm not mistaken, like in 10 or 11 place. It, they, even, they didn't even 
obtain one uh, seat in the in the Congress. So uh, that that party is almost gone from the politics, and of course the corruption ended up affecting them. And well, people ended up uh, choosing parties that they believe they won't be as corrupt as these cases. That, that's very interesting. So they're showing their people in Costa Rica showing their their reaction through their vote. What what is at stake in the presidential election runoff? Like, what do these candidates represent? Uh, what do they believe in? And a little bit of context. Yeah, if we analyze the ideologies, the political and, and economical ideologies, uh, people usually tend to to think in a very dualist way, right, left and right. But if you analyze the political spectrum, we actually have two axes. We have the, the, the horizontal axis, which is left and right, and the vertical axis, which, rep which represents conservatism and liberalism. So we have four quadrants. If you imagine the, the, the quadrants on left, on, on the part, left part in, in, the, in the upper part, you, have, you find aesthetism. On the left part, in the down part, you find socialism. In the right part, in the top, you find conservatism. And in the bottom part of the right, you find liberalism. Okay, And of course, you can divide those quadrants in eight or 16 each. If we analyze these two parties, well, they both, they are not extremists, neither in, in, in private property, left, right, not conservatism extreme or liberalism extreme. They are center, both they are center-left approach. Okay, That means that, well, they, they are both based on, on, on social democratic basis. That means that they do believe in the, in, in the social part, not precisely socialism, but social social approach. Um, they do believe in democracy. Even the, 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 the party from Rodrigo Chavez, uh, Progreso Social Democrata, Social Democrat and Progress, so the name is, is implicit. Uh, National Liberation, you will say that it's a liberal party. And no, it's a, by an historical basis, it's a center-left left approach. Recently, it has turned a little bit to the right, but right now, I, I, I will say that these two parties, they are focused on a social democratic basis, a little bit of center approach to the left. That means we are dealing with two very similar, at least in the programmatic proposal, they are pretty similar. Maybe the main, the main difference between those, I, I will say that they, are, they have two main differences, the environmental approach and the taxes approach. From, from the perspective of, the, of Liberación Nacional, of, of Figueres, you, you, you will see a lot of environmental, very strong proposals. And for example, regarding a natural resources exploitation and, and commercialization on the, the part of Rodrigo Chavez, you will find some taxes, some very specific tax variations, including, for example, things like the added value tax, like the rent tax. And, and one thing that both agree, which I also believe is, is a good thing, is that they should be focusing on making the the not the tax not increasing the taxes but proving more efficiency in how we collect the taxes, which pretty much I, I believe everyone agrees with that, right? What what's the point of having a lot of taxes if you cannot collect them? Um, it, it's quite funny because right now, well, none of them were my candidates, <laughs> and now I have to choose between those those proposed proposals. They are actually. Very similar in, in some in some things, and now the analysis that we should be doing, leaving the, the persons because both are are questioned one by corruption and the other one by a sexual abuse thing that 
that that's not that shouldn't be important because actually we should be focusing on the proposals, not the persons, right? And the thing is that sometimes in politics, well, that technical part, that the technical proposals, they tend to be on second place in order to analyze personal things regarding the candidates. I believe that's not the the, the way in this in this in this moment. It's very interesting. Also, I would like to ask you, what do Costa Ricans in general, see as their main challenges, probably unemployment rates or poverty, because they have, uh, Costa Ricans in general have high standards and a high quality of life in comparison to the rest of the of the region. So how, how are these candidates planning to tackle these issues or uh, and which are these issues? Yeah, you, you, you would say that Costa Ricans, well, Of course, we are worried about unemployment. We are worried about poverty. But right now, I would say that there are two things. Maybe the media doesn't concern about them or, or maybe they they do not get a lot of attention as the other ones. But I will say the part of security. Well, Costa Rica, it's a free country. So you, you, you can speak your mind. You can uh, you can create a company. You can, uh, your private property is secure. But In recent years, well, not only Costa Rica, the whole Latin America, it's been affected by the by the drug traffic, and that's also taking a hold in here. So I would say security is one of the main things that we should be focusing on, and also education. Due to the pandemic, uh, well, so some we we had to to send everyone to, to their homes to study from their homes, and we are facing what we call in Spanish and. Apagón educativo, that would be like an education uh, shutdown, right? Because a lot of people, a lot of guys, a lot of girls, they are not, they do not have the means to actually get to a virtual education in the same way other people does. So I would say that education is, is one, actually it was one of the, of the main things in, during the campaign and everyone had different proposals. And also one thing that it's quite vital for, for, for the country is the certainty of law. For example, if you want to open a company, even though in Costa Rica we have a lot of small business, in, in Costa Rica we call them pymes, pequeña y mediana empresa, small and, and, and medium company, we still have a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy that we have to go through in order to open a business. And we have, just for a general, general quote, we have more than 100 taxes in this moment. So we have to pay a lot of taxes. If you open a... a, a um, An LLC, which is the closest thing in Spanish to a sociedad, in English to a sociedad anónima, that means a commercial society. You, you have to pay a tax just because you have the, the company, not because you are making money. Okay. So not precisely these two guys, they're not focusing their campaigns or on trying to de diminish that bureaucracy. They are more faced, uh, more, more focused on environmental and, and social issues. How do they, what, what do they propose? Pretty much proposals but if you read the the actual plans there are not specific actions that you can say well let's go with that education for example they they, they propose both of them they, they, they established the proposal of increasing the budget for education but in some cases that mean more taxes right they also um, using the, the the 5g uh, technology from of internet they are trying to get uh, especially if you get it, That's that's the proposal that he that he has, uh, trying to get connection to everyone. Also, Rodrigo Chavez had something similar, but education is one of the main ideas. And and the other thing that I, I believe is quite important also is the tax the tax situation. 
as I was telling, the, the, the reform in taxes, it was extremely brutal for medium class. And they both are referring or are aborting the, the concept, but not in a way that they propose to reduce taxes. They both, at least, they say that they will keep the taxes or even in some cases increase them. So <laughs> it's actually a little bit contraproducent to see that. There's a spectrum in politics, so it's kind of understandable. And about drug trafficking, do any of the candidates have any plan of, on how to combat drug trafficking, either maybe uh, increasing the budget or, I don't know, uh, what are their proposals in, in, in those matters? They both had specific proposals, but all of the proposals that we can see uh, require more, more budget. And in, and in Costa Rica right now, due to the, to the tax reform, we ended up with something that is called the regla fiscal, which will translate as fiscal uh, rule or fiscal uh, line. That means that when the debt of the country increases more than a particular percentage of the, of the GDP, then you cannot increase more in public affairs. So for the next president, that particular percentage will be achieved. That means that your budget will be frozen in some things. So at whatever proposal they want to, to do, they, of course, they, they do have things in their, in their plans. They have things, for example, more budget to, to, the, um, a, to the coast, to the, to the police in the coast, more budget to hire more scanners, for example, in the international commerce airports and, and maritime ports, uh, scanners in order to, to find drug within the containers. But those things require a lot of money. And if we do apply the, the, the fiscal rule, that will be a little bit, a little bit hard because uh, your budget will be frozen, right? And as I was saying, that particular percentage of the GDP will be uh, accomplished next year. At least they want to change radically, cut the, the public expense in things that actually can get cut. Well, it will be different, difficult for them to fulfill those, those uh, politics. They, they also... As, as you can see, Mauro, the, 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 both, both guys, they, they, they establish some similar things. They, they have a very similar approach in some things. And security, well, almost everyone in the 25 candidates, everyone is it's on board on trying to, to reduce drug traffic. The thing is that you need money for those things. And probably that the star proposal here focus on making a strong police force, giving them more education, more capacitation, and more tools in order to fight the drug traffic. It's interesting because we've been like, they're both really similar even in their proposals. So it would be a difficult decision to make if I were a voter in Costa Rica. Actually, the, the, the discussion right now is based more in, in, in them as, as people, as, the, as their proposals. Everyone is saying that we, we have to choose between one guy accused for corruption and another guy accused for sexual abuse. And that's, I don't think that's the approach. I don't think that's the analysis that we should be making. It's important to focus on the, on the ideas, on, on their plans, uh, rather than the people and their issues. And regarding international relations, how are relations between Costa Rica and another country going to be affected after the elections? Yeah, we, we are known... Costa Rica is one of the countries with, with more uh, international treaties, not only commercial, but everything, uh, information exchange. Now that we are within the OCDE, 
within the OCDE. Uh, we also are working on, on taxes treaties and information transparency uh, treaties. Uh, almost every single human uh, right, human law treaties that uh, ended up uh, being approved, we ended up signing because we, 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 we do believe in that. We do believe that law should be above everything, right? That, that the empire of the law should be above a single person, okay? So, so yeah, that's that's important. Right now, Costa Rica is basing the, the economy most, mostly in two things, tourism and, and exports. Uh, we are a very small country. We are 52,000 square kilometers. We have uh, like 5 million more or less people. And well, of course, we need to be inside of the international economy. The politic of the actual government, the one that is right now in, in office, um, it doesn't have proof to be according to that line. Even we, we ended up, I don't know why, we ended up signing a educational information exchange treaty with Cuba. And everyone's, why? Why are you doing that, right? And that's probably because the ideology of the actual government, the one in office, is more based on a left statism approach than the actual liberty that we should be Focusing. Both guys, now Figueres and Chavez, they have claimed that uh, the international policy should be focused on uh, international exchange, um, liberalization of, of commerce with some restrictions, right? They are both based on a center-left approach, so they are not focusing everything on free commerce, on the free market. But they, they are not against that, because even in, in the case of, of uh, Figueres, in his government in 1994, well, he, he ended up bringing Intel to Costa Rica. Um, well, that's part of the international investment attraction policy that, that we have. And that I will say that both of them, they, they are on board with the international commerce and the free, free market, but it's not the goal or, or, the, or the start proposal of their, of their politicas, political campaigns. And, for example, uh, we have something that is called the free commercial zones, uh, Zona Franca, in which we you can produce and you can you can export or, or even you can sell to the country. And those incentives for for the, the international investment, in this case, probably uh, Rodrigo Chavez is the one that is being more critical. He's not against them. He's not against of removing those uh, those benefits for for companies, but to at least analyze them and eventually change them, okay? It will be unfair to say that he's against them, he's not. And on the other hand, Figueres, uh, he, he also says that he wants to analyze them, but not precisely to change them. So as you can see, in the end, they are very similar. <laughs> they are very similar, at least from a programmatic uh, proposal. They are indeed very similar. Also, their proposals are based, I mean, center-left is their, their approach. Costa Rica isn't like this figure of economic liberty and, and fight against corruption. And from the entire continent, we, we look up to Costa Rica and probably Uruguay and maybe Chile, and that's it. But going back to the elections, what are your thoughts on the new composition of the legislative power? Will they probably be conceding a, lo a lot of things to the president? because they are dominantly from the same parties. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. First, well, in Costa Rica, we have a, a democratic system based on the division of powers. We have one executive power, which is the president and the ministers. Then we have the, the, the legislative power, which is the, the Congress, or 
la Asamblea Legislativa. And then we have the judicial power, judges, jurisdiction, and everything regarding those uh, legal processes. The first power of the, of the Republic, many people think or believe that is the executive. And that's, that's not. The, the first power is the, the, the Congress, right? They are the ones that create law and they are the ones that they even have, have the power to sanction the, the president. From a historical point of view, the, the bipartisanism, the, the, the two parties just that we used to have, National Liberation Party and Unidad Social Cristiana, Social Unity, Christian Unity, which obtained the fourth place this, this election, they ended up controlling the Congress with maybe one or two independent Congress congressmen. Right now, at least in the projection that we have, because the, the, the voting for the Congress is different than the voting for the president. For the president, you, you, you can exercise a direct quotation. That means that you choose the person directly. But for the Congress, we ended up with something that is called the coefficient methodology. You have the, the lot of, uh, you take all of your votes and then you divide it by the amount of seats on the Congress with, with, within one vote. I wouldn't say a state, provincia, province, state. And well, if you obtain the number, then you can participate for the, for the, for the seats. Right now we have a six, in this moment, we have six different parties. The strongest one will be like 18 to 20. The, the, the projection is still being made, but 18, it seems to, to be the, 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 the number. Uh, the minimum majority that you need in Costa Rica to pass a law, to, to sign a law, is 29, 29 seats. And that the strongest fraction will be 18. So it doesn't matter who is the president. They will have to sit and negotiate. They will have to negotiate a lot in this plurimultural, uh, pluricultural uh, assembly. We have, for example, we have one liberal party, the um, social liberal party, which is a, like a medium conservatism right approach, extreme right approach, but with some conservatism. We also have six uh, congressmen we, of one of the most extreme uh, left parties in Costa Rica, um, Frente Amplio. They will have six different uh, six seats on the, on the assembly. So as you can see, we will have to negotiate. They will, if they want to pass any kind of law, they will have to negotiate. And the second fraction, which is the one, uh, curiously, is not the one from Rodrigo Chavez, is from the fourth party in the, in the votation for the president. So notice that not precisely because one guy ended up in second or third place, that means that the second place in the assembly will be the same. And the third party, which is seven, seven, um, seven seat, uh, holds seven seats right now in the, in the assembly, is a Christian party a very conservative, uh, based on conservatism, Christian party. So you have extreme left, you have extreme right, you have uh, social democracy, you have conservatism, you have social democracy. Well, they have to sit and negotiate. <laughs> and that's, that's the power, that, that, that's the power of democracy, right? You have to negotiate. It's not bad because at least you have the, 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 those balance of weights and those balance of power within the, the assembly. That's very interesting. So I guess that's kind of it. I want to thank you, uh, Juan Diego, for participating in, in the Impunity Observer podcast. I think everyone has learned a lot about Costa Rica, its elections, and the perspective from an insider, not just from outsiders that we see and, and admire Costa Rica as a model, but also its issues, uh, what's really going on in the country so i wanted to thank you and thank you everyone who's watching the impunity observer podcast we'll see each other soon